Okay, under the seat near you, there may be a ticket. So you need to have a look underneath your seat and under the seats around you, and you may find either the golden ticket or a blue ticket. It's taped on underneath. I know we don't usually do this, but have a look. It could be you. So uh, have, a, have a quick look. I was tempted to put both of them on the front row just to reward people who sit at the front, but uh, I've no idea where they went because I stuck them under the seats and uh, then the chairs were put out. So has anyone found uh, a golden ticket or a blue ticket? <laughs> You've got the gold ticket. Who's got the blue ticket? You've got it. Okay. So the gold ticket, you are definitely in luck this morning. This is a gift for you, just uh, for you to be able to enjoy. And because it's the gold ticket, you don't have to share it with anybody else. You can eat for a whole lot if you would like. So uh, congratulations on winning the gold ticket. And Josh, you got the blue ticket? You do indeed. Great. Now this is slightly different because although this gift is for you, it's for you to pass on. And uh, preferably to somebody that you either you don't know or you don't know very well. Um, so you know it's it's the it's you know pay it forward as the you know the film said. So you know two different kinds of gifts, and in fact they actually were exactly the same. But now I don't know how you would feel if you got like Josh got the uh, the blue ticket. <laughs> You know, and you see Anya sitting there stuffing her face with chocolate and you have just been told that this is a gift for you to pass on and you don't get anything. I personally feel that was a bit of a swiss, but uh, that's what we've done this morning. Um, Jesus said, you are more blessed when you give than when you receive. And if Jesus said it, it's got to be true. So, um, you know, I apologise, Josh, uh, especially as this was your first week here as well, to, to be so mean to you. <laughs> uh, but, Anya, I have to apologise to you as well, because actually Josh is going to be more blessed than you are. I know, I know. Because there is a special blessing when we give. Yeah. Uh, when we receive an external gift, you know, it's lovely, isn't it, when, when that happens? And I'm not putting that down at all. But it's a, it's a short-term benefit to us. But when we receive a gift that is a gift from God to pass on, we may not directly benefit, but actually we benefit internally because God is using that to change us on the inside and to build our character. And so when we give a gift, we are more blessed than when we receive it. Louis uh, talked about this last week, how the church in Corinth had become very self-centered, very divisive, and uh, Paul takes them to task because of their disunity and their lack of understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. And uh, he spends quite a bit of time, doesn't he, talking about how we are one body, we're called to reflect God's love in the way that we behave. And he points out that no amount of spiritual gifts, whether uh, they are gift, the gifts of power, you know, the speaking in tongues, prophecy, all those kind, or whether it's the gifts of teaching, teaching the Bible, none of those are of benefit unless we have a foundation of love. 
And uh, so that is the context that Paul talks about love. We were in the wedding yesterday and the reading was, you know, the 1 Corinthians 13, the one about love. And as I have done many times, the preacher took the verses completely out of context and talked about marriage, when in fact it's talking about how churches operate and how we use the gifts of the Spirit. And that's the context. I, I think the other is allowed as well, but... The foundation of love that we need. And uh, Paul picks this up again in the next chapter, in chapter 14, verse 1, where he says, let love be your highest goal. You know, it's good to have goals in life, I hope you do that, but the highest goal that we should reflect God's love in everything that we do. The message translation puts it this way, go after a life of love as if your life depended upon it, because it does. The way we respond to other people, the way we respond to God, has a huge impact upon us on the inside. And whether we choose to be offended when somebody does something, or whether we choose to respond with love and forgiveness and patience and the, the other fruit of the Spirit, uh, affects us long term. And God's upside-down kingdom is seen in the way that the more loving we are, the more giving we become. And uh, that is the route to blessing. We know that the death and resurrection of Jesus are the doorway into eternal life. But then the way we live eternal life, the, the relationship with God the Father, is seen in how loving we are. Our spiritual life depends on it. And so I've put as our first heading for today, Make Love Your Foundation. Just to build again on... Uh, what Louis said last week. A mindset we often carry and we see very prevalent in our society is what's in it for me? And this is challenged again in uh, this next bit. In chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Eagerly desire the gift of the Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy. Have you ever been to a meeting and hoped that someone would give you a prophecy? Don't know if you've ever done that. I've done it many, many times. You know, perhaps there was going to be someone speaking who was going to be very gifted in prophetic ministry. So, for example, 18 months ago, Mandy and I went to a conference, and on the way there, we asked God to speak clearly to us. Should we continue to lead this church, or should we hand it over? We've been leading the church for 26 years, which is, you know, it's a pretty good stint, but uh, we needed to hear clearly from God. And uh, we knew that um, Paul Adams was going to be speaking at the conference. He's very, very gifted in prophetic ministry. He calls out people's phone numbers and prophesies over them, and uh, uh, he didn't have a prophecy for us. Uh, instead, a man that we'd never met before came up to us after the morning session and said, can I give you a prophecy? And uh, I would never say no to that. And he said, uh, I feel the Lord saying you're the right people in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. And he said it three times. And that, that evening, another guy was prophesying, praying for us, and he said uh, virtually the same thing, and he repeated it seven times. So we got the message that uh, we're meant to be here, and we're very happy to hear that. Um, 
So we were encouraged, we had the answer that we needed, you know, the prophecy had, had done its job. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with receiving prophecy like that and being encouraged. In fact, it's wonderful, isn't it, when it happens? I don't know if you've had that happen for you. But, but how about instead of going to a meeting hoping to receive a prophecy, we go to a meeting hoping to give a prophecy? Different mindset altogether. I remember we had a, a meeting of uh, Vineyard Church leaders for our area and I, I just trundled up and I, you know, sat there and was there to listen and, you know, and one of the couples, they had come prepared with prophecies that they'd written down for a whole load of people. And I thought, oh, maybe I should be doing that. And it was a, a wonderful example of, of how to be prepared. Um, in fact, it's more, it's more than hoping to give, uh, it talks here about eagerly desiring to prophesy. Uh, the, if you look up the original Greek word that's eagerly desiring, it means to boil over, to exert yourself. It's a passionate and energetic word. And, and that's what Paul is saying to us. You know, that's the kind of energy, that's the kind of focus he wants us to be able to bring as we, uh, as we come to our meetings, being ready. So I don't know whether that described how you and I came to the meeting today, uh, or you know, were we boiling over with excitement at, uh, and the desire that God would use us to bless another person, that God would give us that box of chocolates to pass on to somebody else, and that it wouldn't just be about me. And if not, then let's ask God to help us with that and to give us the desire that it talks about here in this passage. Because this is what God wants for us. And in a moment we'll see why that's so important. So, second heading, I'm going to put down passionately desire to be used by God. Now some of you may be thinking, hang on a minute, this is all very well, but... Are the gifts of the Spirit really still available today? And if they are, aren't you just given one or two gifts and then you can use those uh, for the rest of your life and that's it? You may have heard those things taught. Well, as far as I can see, there are no verses in the Bible uh, that say that the gifts of the Spirit will stop being available to us at a certain point in history. And I've read the Bible dozens and dozens and dozens of times. In the previous chapter, it said this in verse 9. We know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness, completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Now, some would say that this means that prophecy was going to disappear when the Bible was written, and that this verse is talking about completeness, meaning when the canon of Scripture was completed. Um, However, if you look at the verse, that would mean that all knowledge would disappear at the same time. Uh, I think the completeness that it's referring to is it's talking about Jesus. It's not talking about the Bible. The Bible reveals Jesus, and it's wonderful, but it's Jesus who is the complete one. And it's talking about the second coming, that when Jesus comes back again, there will be no need for knowledge. There will be no need for prophecy or the other gifts of the Spirit. Uh, and so that's how I read that verse. Otherwise, why does Paul and God through him tell us to eagerly desire spiritual gifts? 
This teaching of dispensationalism, which denies that the gifts of the Spirit are for today, is a relatively new teaching. It came in in about 1830, and it came in with some very strange ideas, some other teachings about the second coming of Jesus and that the church is going to shrink away and you know, only a few people at the second coming will actually be following Jesus. And uh, if you twist some of the verses in Revelation, you can make them mean that. But actually, if you look at what Jesus said and you look at the rest of the New Testament, Jesus is coming for a victorious bride, not a defeated one. And so I'm looking for worldwide revival. And uh, that is, I think, a biblical uh, thing to look for, whatever that word is. It's been a busy week. If you want to read more about that, if, if that's something that would interest you, then uh, a brilliant book is Surprised by the Power of the Spirit by Jack Deere. He was a, a theologian who used to teach dispensationalism, used to take great delight in uh, destroying the arguments of people who believed in the gift of the Spirit, and then suddenly God opened his eyes uh, to the truth. So another teaching you may have heard says that we are given certain gifts by the Holy Spirit and that those are the ones we get to use for the rest of our life. And it comes from a misunderstanding based in chapter 12, verse 27, where it says, You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. So you could easily assume from the middle section of those verses that only a few people have the gift of miracles, only a few people have the gift of healing, only a few people have the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues and so on. But then why does he say, eagerly desire something that's not available to you? You know, is God stupid? Uh, is he cruel? Is he saying you need to desire this and I'm not going to give it to you? You know, that doesn't make sense at all, does it? What Paul is addressing here is a particular context. He's saying, when the church operates, when you come together on a Sunday or a connection group meeting or a whenever you gather together, this is the context. Not everybody's going to get a gift of healing that week. Not everybody's going to get a prophecy. But you might. And so eagerly desire the greater gifts. Um, so it may be that this week only a few of you, only a few of us, get to do miracles. Only a few of us get to do healings. Uh, only a, some other people will be given prophecies or tongues messages or what are, you know, the, other, the other gifts. But that is the context of one meeting. And so it may be that this week you get a prophecy. Next week God's going to mix it up. And instead of giving you a prophecy, he's going to give you a healing, a miracle. And then the week after that, it may be the discerning of spirits. And, they, and so each time, it, keep, it draws us back into relationship. Because if you thought, my gift is prophecy, and therefore that is the gift that I use, you would start to get stuck into a rut, and you would look at the gift rather than the gift giver. And so this draws us back to our relationship with Jesus every single time. Say, Jesus, what do you want to do? 
I'm here as loose change in your pocket. You can spend me any way you want. And what would you like me to do this week? Do you want me to do a healing? Do you want me to do a prophecy? What is it? How can I serve? So Paul also talks about the greater gifts. So what does he mean by that? Well, the third heading is excel in gifts that build others. So let's look at chapter 14 again. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also eagerly desire the special abilities, the gifts that the Spirit gives, especially the gift of to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. That's not a bad thing to do, is it? But uh, since people won't be able to understand you, you'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. That's the context. So context again, in a particular meeting, uh, what is best? What is going to help people most? How can I serve most? The answer is something like prophecy because it strengthens, encourages and comforts. The gifts of the Spirit are different. They have different purposes. They have different impact. Uh, the gift of tongues has often been described as a spiritual battery charger. It has incredible benefit to us. It builds us up in our spirit. And our spirit connects with the Holy Spirit and we can use that to pray, we can use that in worship. It's a wonderful gift. And Paul goes on to say that he uses that gift a lot. In fact, he uses it more than anyone else. So don't think that Paul is putting down the, uh, the gift of tongues in this passage. But the point he's making is that when we gather together, it's better to bring something that would strengthen and bless the whole church. And just think of the potential of that, to be able to bless the whole church. What an amazing privilege to be used by God in that way. Next time we meet, uh, I think we'll be looking at prophecy some more. Um, But notice that Paul says the purpose of prophecy is to strengthen, encourage and comfort. So there is a difference between Old Testament and New Testament prophecy and uh, we do have guidelines on how to handle prophecy so we'll talk more about that next time. Sometimes a prophecy may be for one person, but sometimes the prophetic message is for a whole group of people. Personally, I, you know, when I read the prophecies that people with you know, professional prophetic ministries release, I find them a bit difficult to grab hold of because is that meant to be for every single, you know, all two billion people who are following Jesus in the world? That God is saying the same thing to everybody? Could be. Uh, but I love the power when God speaks an individual word into the life of a person and the person giving the prophecy has no idea the context and the situation and the questions that someone's asking. It has incredible power to strengthen us and help direct us and give us confidence to continue to, to move on. And so that's why Paul spent the whole of chapter 13 talking about love and the whole of chapter 12 talking about unity. Those are the context in which we use the gifts of the Spirit, which is to build other people up, to serve them 
to, to, be, to be the blue gift rather than the gold one. To have other people's best in mind rather than what's best for me, what serves me, what did I get out of the service today? It's a different way of thinking, isn't it? The gifts are for giving and for strengthening other people. We were given a prophecy last weekend saying that the time of delay for our church is over and that the promises that God has given us as a church are now going to be fulfilled. And they are incredible prophecies. So fasten your seatbelt. That definitely strengthened, encouraged and comforted me. Not only did I like what I heard, you know, but that could have just been the person saying you know, what they thought I would like to hear. But I could feel something happen spiritually as, as he spoke those things as well. We live in a city that has been a stronghold of Satan for many centuries and where he has distorted God's purposes. And uh, Oxford continues to be an area that uh, is very oppressive spiritually. You may have felt that. It's not just the city itself, it's the outlying areas as well. And that means that the gifts of the Spirit are particularly important for us because on a weekly, daily, hourly basis, we need to be strengthened, encouraged and comforted. The person you're sitting next to today needs to be strengthened, encouraged and comforted. That's why God caused you to sit next to them today. The people that you work with this week need to be strengthened, encouraged and comforted. Whether they know Jesus or not, the gifts of the Spirit are still there for the same purpose. The gifts are there for everyone and there to be used everywhere as well. Now that doesn't mean that we don't need more good biblical teaching. We need everything that God has for us. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. But we also need to be able to hear God personally, don't we? We need to be building that uh, habit of reading the Bible daily, feeding on God. Uh, but we also need to be a able to operate as God's body to strengthen and build each other up. And in fact, the more we strengthen ourselves through our time alone with God, the more strength we have to be able to bring and bless other people. And that's why it's so important that you're in a connection group this term and that you come to community as well as gathering here on a Sunday. We need that strengthening. And uh, how can we be in unity if we're not together physically? How can we love each, pra each other practically if we don't turn up? How can we bring uh, those things God has given us to strengthen other people if we're not here? And how can we receive? Because it, it is. It's one hand in, one hand out. One hand for me, one hand to give away. And uh, we need to come expecting to be strengthened, but also expecting to give away as well. So be hungry to receive and hungry to give. Still with me? Yeah? Good. The last thing I want to pick out today from 1 Corinthians 14 is order not chaos. So the last thing to look at is the order that God wanted to bring to the meetings in Corinth. Although they were used to using the gifts of the Spirit, they did it in a way that it was chaotic. So I want you to imagine that it was like this every week. That while somebody was teaching from the Bible, that another person would prophesy and another person would sing and another person would speak in tongues and 
Paul says, enough! Thank you, team. I hope you enjoyed that. Much of chapter 14 just contains practical suggestions on how to have an orderly meeting. Now, of course, I win. I have the microphone, but... Uh, We're pretty <laughs> <laughs> Things like only having one speaking, one person speaking at a time and uh, waiting patiently until the ne- next person is, you know, the first person is finished and all that kind of thing. Having some patience and... Uh, In those days, mirroring the practice of the synagogue, men would sit on one side of the building, women would sit on the other. And it would appear that in Corinth, people were calling across from one side to the other, asking each other questions. And it seemed to be especially that wives were calling across to their husbands, asking them questions. I don't know whether that meant that the men had the answers or not, but maybe they were just saying, shh. You know, or, uh, I'll tell you later, because they didn't know what the answer was themselves. But anyway, it was, it was chaotic. You may have been in a meeting where prophecy after prophecy was given, so that by the end you couldn't remember anything that had been said, because there had been so many prophecies. Still, it's just not helpful, is it? So Paul suggests having two or three prophetic messages, and then you pause... And you think about them and you weigh up, is this from God or isn't it? Because John Wimber used to point out that even our best prophecy is probably 80% God and 20% us. But very often we get it the other way around. And so we weigh up what is from God and what isn't. And we need time to do that. And then once we've done that, then you can have another two or three until all the prophecies have come. Some years ago, we had, a, we had a challenge because we had a lot of people in our meetings. We were meeting over in the big school, like we usually do, and uh, we were getting uh, 250 to 300 people in there. And we realized that we needed to bring a little bit of order because people couldn't hear what was being said on the other side of the room when someone was prophesying. And uh, we tried to encourage people to speak up so that the whole building uh, could hear. But regularly, we would have two prophecies being given at the same time because the second person didn't even realize that the first person was giving a prophecy. So we thought, well, what do we do? We have microphones. So people can come down to the front and they can give their prophecy by uh, using the microphone, which intimidated virtually everybody and that didn't work. So we then said, please, would you write it down, hand it to one of the members of staff and... uh, If we think that the prophecy is for today, we'll give it today. If it's something that needs to be taken away and prayed over, maybe has to do with the direction of the church or something like that, then we'll put it in the pot with all the other prophecies that we have and we'll pray over it and see what we think God has to say and then bring that at an appropriate time. So that was the the way that we handled that. At the moment, we don't need to do that. Uh, so, but we may get to that stage again. But you see, different order is needed for different occasions. When you're meeting in your connection group and you come eagerly with the five prophecies that God's given you and the six words of knowledge, uh, then it's much easier to be able to give that and to ask the leaders, you know, can I, can I give that? If you're in a meeting with thousands of people, it's much harder to be able to do that. There needs to be a different kind of order. Some people react to the work of the Holy Spirit in a very negative way. 
and seek to close down what God's doing. Uh, It doesn't fit their idea of order. Because sometimes God does interrupt and he brings his order instead of our order. And we've had that where um, we had a ministry time instead of the talk. I saved up the talk, gave it the next week, uh, because it was something that God had said. That doesn't happen very often because we pray in advance, we ask God in advance what he wants to do. And uh, I find it's much easier to hear God in the quiet of my study than it is to hear him in the heat of battle on a Sunday morning. Um, It's Jesus' church, isn't it? It's his church. He can do whatever he wants. If he wants to overrule and say, no worship this week. Uh, I've not known that happen in uh, one of these meetings. We've regularly in our connection groups, we used to find that worship went on a long time. And so we didn't do any kind of teaching. We just went straight into ministry time. Those were some of the most fun meetings I've been in. So let's be flexible and let God do what he wants to do. But we do it in an orderly way, not a chaotic way. Some people react in the opposite way. They are so desperate to have everything that God is doing that that it just becomes chaos. And that's why at the end of uh, verse 39 in chapter 14, he says, So my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. But be sure that everything is done properly and in order. So he says, everything must be done. We really do need the gifts of the Spirit. We really do need to be uh, learning how to use them, to become expert in them. uh, To passionately desire to be used by God. And to look for gifts that build up the whole church. But we do it properly and in order. But our order must never quench what God wants to do. Isaiah 55 verse 8 My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says God and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine for just as the heavens are higher than the earth so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts Let's approach God with great humility and allow Jesus to be head of his church Let's allow him to do what he wants to do. He doesn't force his ways on us. He waits for us to make space and give him permission. That's why at the end of the worship we wait. And then we wait again at the beginning of the talk. And we wait again at the end of the talk. Because we want to create space for the Holy Spirit to be able to work. And to do what only he can do. So let's allow him to do what he wants. Let's make sure that we are in step with him personally. God has so much more that he wants to do than we're currently seeing. And that's not a rebuke. Uh, I take that personally as well. It's, I think it's an invitation from God. It's an opportunity from him to be able to see the more that we long for. Jesus is inviting us as his brothers and sisters to join in with what he's doing. We are heirs of the Father. We are joined heirs with the Son. And there's, uh, there's a lot going on. There are great gifts on offer. There is great power to be released. But we need to change our mindset so that we're thinking more like God. The purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is not just to bless me. It's not just for our meetings either. If we confine what God is doing to the boundaries of our meetings, then we're quenching the Holy Spirit and denying the world we live in the good news of the reality of Jesus and robbing ourselves also of the spiritual growth that God wants to give us.
All of the gifts and abilities that God gives are a special present from God to be used, not to be left on the shelf. So how we use them is vitally important based on love, foundation of love, which is all about giving, with the aim of building other people up, not tearing them down. So if you ever hear a prophecy that is judgmental and critical and harsh, or if you ever think that God is saying something to you that is like that as well, it's not God. God always speaks to encourage us, to bless us, and to woo us as his children. Occasionally he has to rebuke us, but I find that he often does that with a bit of humour as well. Uh, That's the best way to get through to me, I think. So ask God to give you the gifts of the Spirit, especially gifts like prophecy, because they have so much benefit for other people. Let's learn to serve, let's learn to use the gifts as Jesus did. In our meetings, we submit to one another, we submit to authority, and we do things in a fitting and orderly way, but we also, (laughs) bless you, want to be naturally supernatural. Uh, There's no excuse for being weird, that doesn't mean that you're being more spiritual. Uh, The Bible talks about self-control, and says that the gifts of the Spirit are under the control of the people who are using them. So just because you feel like God's given you a prophecy doesn't mean that you need to stand up at that very moment and give it. And we'll talk more about that next time and how to handle prophecy and the difference between the revelation, interpretation and application of of what God gives. Uh, So, let's stand together, shall we? So we're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit again. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come, that you'd increase what you're doing. Thank you that you love to give gifts. Thank you that you love to bless us in many, many different ways. Thank you that you love it when we receive freely, when you give so generously. Thank you that you love it when we generously give as well. We thank you for that, uh, those wonderful verses in the Bible that talk about how you lavish your love upon us and that you are so good to us, that every good gift comes from you. And so we want to say yes to the gifts of your spirit and uh, we confess that we come with a bit of selfishness and a, a lot of trepidation, especially when we think of using these gifts outside of meetings but we want to be used by you. We want to see you at work in our community, in our society. We want to see people coming to faith in you. We want to build upon the foundation that you have put here in Oxford of signs and wonders, of worship, and of the teaching of your word. And we ask that you would strengthen us individually and that you'd strengthen us as a church with those things so that your purposes, your agenda, your vision for this city will be fulfilled. And we pray that for the other churches as well who are meeting, well, whether they're meeting or not, we pray for your blessing on them today, Father. Each church that bears your name, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, that you would comfort them, that you would pour out your spirit upon them, that you pour out the gifts, that they would be uh, stronger as a result of today's meeting, that they would have met with you. We ask for healings, we ask for salvation, to be spread right the way through the churches in Oxford today.
And Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us? Would you tune us into you, us into you so much that the gifts of the Spirit just flow out of us really naturally? That we would be able to give words of knowledge and prophecy without even realizing that we're doing it? That we're just so used to thinking your thoughts? So I pray especially for those gifts, Father, for uh, the gifts of revelation, uh, for words of knowledge, words of wisdom, tongues, re- uh, revelation, um, discerning of spirits. Pray particularly for those, Lord, that you would stir those up in us again and that you give us the confidence and the boldness to be able to use them. But we thank you that you also love to heal. You love to break the power of Satan's kingdom. We love to set the captives free. And we ask that you would do that as well. We ask for healings to uh, proliferate. We ask for miracles to become an everyday occurrence for us. And that you would change our lives. So that this time next year we wouldn't be able to recognize ourselves because we're so much more like you in our thinking, in our desires and in our behavior. So Holy Spirit, come.